says for the last few sermons i have been discussing the subject of the prayers mentioned in the holy quran and i have been reminding the jamaat that when we say this prayer in the chapter al fatiha idna surat al mustaqim surat al ladina an'amta alaihim ghairi al maghdub alaihim wal dallin that is that which is the path of the pious that path which was followed by those on whom allah had bestowed his blessings then to overcome the difficulties of that path to protect ourselves from the dangers of that path and to win allah's pleasure in that path it is necessary for us that we should continue to say those prayers all our life which were said by the pious people of about whom the holy quran says that there were the people who were bestowed with blessings allah had bestowed blessings on them so whose path you have sought you will have to adopt their style you will have to follow their methods it is not possible that we should ask the path of those who were bestowed divine blessings and should adopt the style of maghdube alaihim group therefore the most important thing was passing with the support of prayer 
time of each difficulty, at the time of each facility, in each happiness, each grief. in the Holy Quran for the time of undertaking a journey. Today I am addressing you in Paramaribo, the capital of Suriname, and I have to explain a few things again which I have already covered. Par a Jamaat who do not know Urdu very well. However, if I speak slowly and clearly, you can understand Urdu. Some among you know it well and some others do not know so well. I am explaining this because as the sermon reaches most of the Jamaats throughout the world, they may wonder what has come over me, that I am explaining things again which they already understand. They should know that I am delivering this sermon in Paramaribo, the capital of Suriname, and sitting before me are children, the young and the old, and behind the curtain are ladies also, and I will have to progress explaining things according to their capacity. So I have mentioned this background again, that in each prayer we seek the path of those who were bestowed with blessings. In each prayer we recite chapter Al-Fatiha and day and night we supplicate to God that, O Allah, guide us to the path of those on whom you bestowed your blessings. Save us from the path of those on whom you showed your displeasure then we will have to follow the style of those who were bestowed with blessings. And the most important thing is that the prayers they used to say, such prayers which Allah had accepted, such prayers which were loved by God. He so loved them that he revealed those prayers to his most beloved messenger, Hazrat Muhammad, the messenger of Allah a peace and blessings of Allah and preserved those prayers in the Holy Quran which for the first time were taught to Hazrat Muhammad the messenger of Allah a peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and there were some prayers which were not taught to the other prophets before him so this is our great treasure and we should benefit from this treasure now I will put before you a prayer of Solomon, which is mentioned in chapter 27, Annamal, verse 20. He supplicates. Rabbi Ozeli, an Ashkura Nematakalati, an Amtalaya, Wala Walizaya, an Amala Walihan, Tardaho, Wadhilni Berahmateka, Fi Badika Swalihin that, O oh my Lord, enable me, grant me power that 
that I may be able to thank you for your blessings. It is a simple sort of prayer, the first part of which is enable me that I may be able to thank you for your blessings. It is worth reflecting that whether it is a minor blessing or a major blessing, we say thanks and think that our duty is done. So what need did Hazrat Solomon have that he should ask Allah the method of expressing his gratitude and should ask Allah also to give him capacity? The fact is that to show gratitude does not mean to say thanks by the word of mouth only. If someone were to do a great favor to you, he should take much trouble to do something for you. For instance, if one is drowning, he were to put his life at risk to save him and were to jump into the river and with great difficulty, with great struggle, almost drowning, he were to save and once saved, if the man should say thanks, then would really the thanks be rendered? This is the question. That is why this prayer is teaching us that you must not be so foolish as to say to Allah by the word of your mouth, Okay, thank you. You have done us great favor, and so this is enough. If you have to show gratitude, you should seek its capacity from Allah. One asks for capacity for something which is difficult, for which one needs to put one's life at risk. Since the prophets wanted to do their duty of rendering thanks, and although one cannot fully render thanks to Allah, and the line of the poem of Urdu poet Ghalib is no doubt true. That the most we can present to God is our life. What more can we do? Even if we give our life to God, we have given Him what He had granted to us in the first place. What new thing will we bring from home? A line of Hazrat promised Messiah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, which I like so much, and I have mentioned it repeatedly, has expressed a deep feeling heart. He says, Whatever blessings you have granted us, there is none among them which we have made ourselves. Everything is granted by you. If we return it to you, then it is not we who have given something to you. So to render thanks with the word of mouth is one thing, but to render thanks from the heart is entirely different. When the thanks are rendered from the heart, deep feelings stir within man that I should try to do my duty of rendering thanks. Now you see that we present contributions before God out of whatever capacity He grants us, and in this field the Jamaat Ahmadiyya is most prominent. You may search the entire surface of the earth. You will not find any Jamaat in the world which gives more financial sacrifice 
than Jamaat Ahmadiyya. The elderly, the children, the young, all of them give something according to their capacity. But some of them who are granted capacity to give somewhat more, at times they develop this in their mind that the Jamaat depends on us. It is our sacrifice because of which the Jamaat is functioning. Some of these people meet a sad end and Allah throws them out of the Jamaat. But those who give sacrifice humbly, whose heart develops gratitude, they know that everything is granted by God. Whatever we presented to Him was very little out of what He had granted. It is not our favor to Him. It is His favor that He granted us and it is also His favor that we were enabled to present some of it to Him. So this is the reason that the prophets seek the skill of rendering thanks to Allah. This is the reason that the prophets seek capacity from God to do their duty of rendering thanks. They know, they have the in-depth knowledge of the Divine. They realize there are untold favors of Allah. They know that to say Alhamdulillah by the word of mouth is not enough. The body will also have to bow before God with gratitude. The passions will also have to bow. Whatever Allah has granted us, we will have to thank God by giving something from it. Allah's favors are uncountable and one should render thanks for each favor. Allah has granted knowledge to someone. He can earn because of his knowledge or by spending his own money he can help people with his knowledge. The knowledge is the same which Allah has granted. Some people use it only in their trade but some others spend it in the way of Allah to help his people and for this they also suffer difficulty and then they have to spend on themselves. Now you see what a difference in these two things. So when the Holy Quran taught us that whatever we granted them or whatever we gave them, they continue to spend out of it. What it means is that when Hazrat Solomon said this prayer, there was a vast subject behind it because Allah had granted much to Hazrat Solomon. Allah had granted him such deep wisdom that never such wisdom been granted to anyone in the world in his time. His wisdom had become famous throughout the world in his time and till today Hazrat Solomon is known in the world as a great philosopher, intelligent and wise man. So how can we render thanks of wisdom as long as we do not cast the pearls of wisdom, as long as we do not try to help the world with our wisdom? then Allah granted such kingdom of which we find no parallel in the entire Jewish history, neither in the earlier times nor in the latter times. Since that time, never has anyone been granted such magnificent kingdom as was granted to this pious man of God. 
and then he was granted the spiritual kingdom also. He was made a prophet. What greater blessing can there be? So all these things were in the mind of Hazrat Solomon. Although previously his father Hazrat David was also granted the blessings, but the magnificence and glory which was granted to the Jews and the Jewish kingdom, it has never granted to anyone else. If you now read it once again, you will understand why Hazrat Solomon supplicates in deep humility, bowing before God, that, O God, your blessings have surpassed all limits. In which direction should I look where there is no blessing? Which thing I should ponder where I cannot see your favor? It is only you who can grant me capacity to do my duty to render thanks in such a short life. Reflecting over these things, keeping this whole background in mind, if each one of us, young and old, should ponder over divine blessings and should submit humbly that, O God, whatever blessings you have granted me, give me capacity also that I may truly render thanks to you. As I said, if one saves a drowning man, but when his own child is drowning or his loved one is in difficulty, seeing them if the one who was saved from drowning turns his face and goes away, then this will be ingratitude. It will be injustice. It is not enough that when he was saved he said thanks to the one who saved him. In no way can we repay Allah of his favors. He is the creator of the whole universe. He is the master of everything. He is the giver of life and grants all blessings. How can we ever thank him? There is only one way that we should spend in his path. We should show favor to those people who are the people of Allah, and only Allah can provide us opportunity to do this favor. So this prayer has taught us much wisdom. Now you can see that many people of God are suffering. They are surrounded by all kinds of difficulty. Only yesterday we visited a school here which was founded by a kind-hearted Dutchman. The school has gradually expanded and has made much progress. It is for the disabled children who are well looked after and they try to make them capable of attaining a respectable position in life. And without depending on someone, they should be able to make their ends meet. It is a very pious work, but whoever is Ahmadi, it is his duty that more than anyone else he should do favor to such people to render thanks to Allah. If a disabled child is born to one among us, at times he is so unfortunate that he begins to talk against God and says, was it only on me that God had to put this suffering? The whole world is living happily. No one has suffered, but God selected me for this. It is his ignorance on holding back a little of the vast blessings which Allah has granted to feel so hurt 
and to shout and bewail so much and to talk so much against God, ignoring that what he has given is much more. He is the absolute master. If he were to take back what he has granted, then no one has any right of complaint. Also, if one had reflected on these things sincerely, one would have understood a great wisdom. To whoever Allah grants, he puts them to trial also, and he wants to see that those whom I have granted so much, do they try to thank me for it or not? God forbid, Allah cannot be disabled. Allah cannot be blind and without sight. If you who have been granted eyes will not serve those who are blind, then how will you render thanks to God? If you have been granted hands and feet, how would you render thanks to God if there is no disabled person for you to serve? Therefore, the system of trials which is in operation in the world, if you ponder over it, then in fact there is only one path through which the grateful servants of Allah can render thanks to him. And this subject has been taught to us by His Holiness Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He has explained this point of divine wisdom through a hadith Qudsi, a tradition in which the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has reported some words of Allah. He says that a man will be presented before God. Allah will say to him, Look, I was starving and was suffering pangs of hunger. You did not feed me. Then Allah will say, I had no clothes to protect my body from heat or cold. You could have helped me, but you did not clothe me. I was without roof over my head. I had no house, and I had hoped you will provide shelter for me and comfort me, but you did not help me. This way Allah will continue his talk, and the man will protest again and again that, O oh my Lord, O oh my Master, you give everyone. It is you who have clothed our bodies. How were you ever without clothes? You provide us our daily bread. When were you hungry? Allah will say, Look, when my servant had no clothes to him, from cold or from heat, then it was me who was without clothes. You could have helped me, that is, could have helped my servant. When some poor servant of mine was hungry, you could have fed him, but you did not. It was as though you did not feed me. You can see that this is in complete accord with the subject which I am discussing. Through this parable, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is explaining to that you want to render thanks to God. You cannot do it directly to God. Whatever Allah has granted you, you should give something out of it to help the poor. This way you can render thanks to God. The more blessings one is granted, the more his responsibility to render thanks increases the more he will have to pray. And the prayer of the prophets here taught us 
that even the men appointed on the high station of hood could not render thanks with their own power. If the prophets had this power of their own that they could render thanks to Allah, then what need there was to weep and bewail and to supplicate to Allah that, O oh God, teach us the method of rendering thanks. It shows clearly that the prophets had the in-depth knowledge of the divine and understood the divine secrets. They understood the secrets of wisdom and knew that if Allah did not enable us, we will not be able to do our duty to render thanks to Allah. For this prayer is so befitting as uttered by Hazrat Solomon because Allah had bestowed untold blessings on him. So in deep humility, bowing to Allah and fearing Allah, he supplicated. That, O oh my Lord, enable me that I should be able to render thanks for your blessings for that blessing which you bestowed on me and not only of that but and it is necessary for me to render thanks for that blessing also which you bestowed on my parents now you must remember that this prayer has given us another pearl of wisdom it is the duty of the that they should render thanks on behalf of their parents also. Whatever blessings Allah had bestowed on their parents, they could not render thanks to Allah for all those blessings in their short life. Therefore, it became a debt of their children. The children of those parents also, who were Allah's pious servants and had passed their lives rendering thanks to Allah, should realize that it is the favor of parents on us. We can repay that favor only in this way, that whatever good works they used to do, we, sh we should continue those good works. Whatever favor Allah had done on them, we should present thanks before Allah on their behalf. So how great a prophet Hazrat Solomon, a peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was, and what deep wisdom and knowledge of the divine he used to talk. Prayers were also based on deep wisdom. Therefore, he did not thank only for his own blessings, but thought of rendering thanks on behalf of his parents also, and said, and that I should be able to render thanks on behalf of my parents also. And how can I render thanks to you with the words of my mouth? No, no, he submits. There is only one method to render thanks to you, that I should do good works. I should do such deeds which are pleasing to you. Here it has explained another method of rendering thanks, that one render thanks to please someone. And Allah is not pleased just with the word of mouth. Allah is pleased with good deeds. So he supplicates to God that uh, enable me to do such good deeds, that if your glance falls on it, you should become pleased and say 
that look what good deeds my servant Hazrat Solomon is doing in what good works he is engaged in and wants to please me Hazrat Solomon submits that you should look at me in such a way that the glance of your pleasure should fall on me when your child tries to please you and does something which you like and then looks towards you repeatedly to see whether you are pleased or not and should see signs of joy and signs of happiness on your face and should see a smile of love in your eyes how greatly would he enjoy it that is what hazrat solomon is submitting that o oh allah enable me that i should do good works such good works which are pleasing to you and your loving glance should fall on me and then i should be able to say yes it is only now that i have rendered thanks to you as you pleased me similarly i have pleased you wa'adkhilni bi rahmatika fi ibadika salihin and with your grace enter me among your righteous people among such worshipers about whom you bear witness that they had led a virtuous life generally people think and it is stated in the holy quran that prophethood is the highest blessing then is siddiq the truthful then shaheed the martyr and then saleh the righteous generally think and it is stated in the holy quran that prophethood is the highest blessing then is siddiq the truthful then shaheed the martyr and then saleh the righteous and they think that saleh is the lowest station and is a lower station than the prophets it does not mean that a prophet is not righteous or that a prophet is not a martyr or is not truthful rather in a prophet at one and the same time all these stations are included he is granted all these stations together the one who is only swale he does not have the next higher station but the one who has the next higher station that is whoever is shaheed martyr is swale also therefore the prophets know this that they will always have to remain swale righteous and that is why they continue to make this humble supplication that in your sight we should continue to remain swale righteous and that we should not do such deeds as a result of which we are written as non righteous with you hazrat solomon is a prophet on whom he had done most injustice whereas hazrat solomon had done the most favors on the jewish people till today no grateful person has ever displayed ingratitude against his benefactor as the jewish nation has shown ingratitude to hazrat solomon you will be amazed to read in the bible that not only they do not accept hazrat solomon a prophet they consider him only a king but they consider him a king of such evil character 
that reading it your hair will stand on end. If, God forbid, this is the grateful servant of God, then there can be no peace and security in the world. No virtue will remain in the world. It is a favor of the Holy Quran that it has re-established in the world the honor of the past biblical prophets. It is a favor of the Holy Quran that presented Hazrat David and Hazrat Solomon as such pious and God-fearing people on whom Allah had bestowed His highest blessing. Otherwise, according to the Bible and the stories of the Jews, Hazrat Solomon, God forbid, appears a man of dreadful evil character. In this regard, it is worth remembering that the Christians who made this allegation against the Holy Quran that it has copied the Bible, the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, had received no revelation. Whatever he claimed are the things which he heard from the Jews and the Christians, and that he has included the same stories in the Holy Quran. If this was correct, then Hazrat David and Hazrat Solomon would not have been mentioned as prophets in the Holy Quran. And we would not have found their mention in the Holy Quran with such love and such affection. It would not have mentioned them as great pious men. But if it had copied the stories from the Bible, then the Holy Quran would have abhorred even their mention and would have said that, see, God forbid, how unpious men they were. So the way the Holy Quran has presented Hazrat Solomon before us is as a great pious prophet and has presented him as one who had shared the blessings mankind which Allah had bestowed on him. Opposed to that, when you read the Bible and read the opinions of the scholars of the Bible, you are amazed that how the people are so unjust and concoct such extreme allegations against their prophets. An author of the Jewish history writes about Hazrat Solomon that the Jews were most displeased with the rule of Hazrat Solomon because a man of bad character, not only a bad character but was an idolater and had broken his covenant which he had made with God. He used to marry women of other nations and then used to start worshipping their false gods. Whatever this author has written, he has copied from the Bible. These stories have been recorded in the Bible. But at the end he writes that yes, there is one thing certain, that he was very intelligent. But of what use is that intelligence which gave him no benefit? He says that this story was well known to the Jews and it was repeated often. Solomon was the wisest man on earth, yet see how foolishly he lived. So it is such unjust that they have put such extreme allegations on Hazrat Solomon that one should have fear of Allah to make such allegations against even an ordinary man and they have tried to stain his character in all respect. I searched this point and reflected over it and studied the relevant portions in the Bible. I have understood as to why they have done this. 
Hazrat Solomon, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was an extremely just man. Such just prophet and a king you will probably not find in the whole history of Judaism. Rather, he is unique in this regard. For instance, he granted the right to the other nations that despite having religious differences, they should continue to worship their God as the Jews have the right to worship their God, that is the one they consider to be God. In the time of Hazrat Sot, those nations were granted the right of religious freedom who were previously deprived of this right. His rule was very extensive and in fact the majority under his rule was of the other nations. And although Allah had granted the rule to Israel, but the Israelis themselves were in minority. So how unjust it would have been if the religion of a minority had total freedom, that they could do what they wished, but the majority of the country did not have the right to worship that God who they thought was true God. So it was the justice of Hazrat Solomon which was pricking them and was hurting them. Hazrat Solomon is the prophet who did not let the concept of God be limited to that of the Jews and has presented the concept of God common to all mankind as we read it in the chapter Al-Fatiha. If you read the 1 Kings chapter 8, you will know that when Hazrat Solomon built Solomon's temple and the ceremonies of its completion and celebrations were in progress, he gave a great speech about the aims of the Solomon's temple. The subject of his speech similar to the subject of the speech of Hazrat Abraham about the house of Allah although the speech of Hazrat Abraham is more comprehensive, that is, his prayers and his pious words in this respect carry deep meanings. But we see some glimpses of it in the speech of Hazrat Solomon. How strange it is for a prophet of Judaism that he was declaring that, that O oh God, this temple, Solomon, should not be limited to the Jews alone. O God, whatever prayers are said in this temple, please accept them. Accept them when the Jews, that is Israelis, make supplications. And accept them when people coming from far off places who have no link with our religion make supplications. Please accept their prayers also. Hazrat Solomon says that God who is God of Israel is also God of the entire universe. Hazrat Solomon declares that he is the God who is God not just of this world but is the Lord of all the worlds. You can see that a part of the subject of the chapter Al-Fatiha was also granted to Hazrat Solomon as though it is the translation of Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen He says God is the Lord of all the worlds how can he become limited to the Jews alone? So he continued to supplicate to Allah when all the Jews 
the pious and unpious and great and small were all assembled there and they were all saying Amen I joined him in his prayer that O God make this house common for all make it blessed for all the people all mankind whoever should attend it should receive your grace and mercy and as they return to the people they should declare that we have come to know of such a house of God whose blessing is general for the whole mankind who is the Lord of all the worlds who is almighty these were the loving words of Hazrat Solomon which were hurting the Jewish mullahs the bigoted mullahs who had made God as the property of their homes they thought that virtue cannot exist outside Israel so how would they have tolerated Hazrat Solomon another thing which was hurting the Jews about Hazrat Solomon was another aspect of his justice Hazrat Solomon had organized the construction of eight buildings you know that about Hazrat Solomon the Holy Quran says that Allah had enabled him to benefit from the winds and the journey which was completed before him in months used to be covered in a morning and an evening so Allah had granted vast knowledge to Hazrat Solomon and enabled him to make great inventions and achieve great reforms in this regard whatever program of building of the nation for that he decided that the whole population those who are able-bodied and fit to work without distinction they should spend a third of their time for godly tasks or to serve the nation it was as though a declaration of national dedication we learn from this third part that the custom which we have or there is a tradition that one should not give more than one-third in the way of Allah that is Allah is not pleased that you should take away the right of your children and your family and permits you to spend up to a third part of your wealth in the way of Allah it is not a new custom but is an ancient custom Hazrat Solomon was also taught this point of wisdom that you should take work from people in such a way they will have two-thirds of the time for themselves and one-third will belong to the nation the custom before Hazrat Solomon was that the Jews were considered exempt from the service they used to think we are a ruling class as when Dutch used to rule here they did not do such hard work as they made you to do or they made those Africans do the work whom they had brought here as captives they used to roam as kings the English used to treat the Indians or the Africans the same way so from the beginning this was the law which was in force that the Jews are a ruling class they are not required to do hard work but the nations who have been subjugated only they will be required to work for the nation a third of their time 
it is a great justice of Hazrat Solomon that for the first time he changed this law and said that the Jews will give their time in exactly the same way as the other nations will give. In this country there will be no difference between us. Justice will apply here and a perfect justice will work here. How great a prophet he was. What revolutionary verdicts he was giving. Such a great benefactor, but the Jews rewarded him in the most unpious way. Annoyed of these steps, they made filthy attacks on him. Since he gave the right of worship to others, they began to allege that he was an idolater and used gods of other nations. The reason they gave was that he married many of the women of other nations, and it is said, which is of such extreme ignorance that a man cannot accept, that he had seven hundred wives, and even those he did not consider were enough. In addition to them, he took three hundred concubines also. Thus they allege that Hazrat Solomon had one thousand wives. They call very filthy stories and attributed those to him and then said that all these wives were from other nations or that a large majority was from other nations. To please those wives he began to worship their gods and began to prostrate before them and started building their temples. So when nations opposed the prophets of their time they make such unbiased attack on them. We are also passed through such a period when before our eyes a history of prophethood is being made. Hazrat promised Messiah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is a subordinate prophet to his master Muhammad, the messenger of Allah. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He is not an independent prophet, but he is certainly a follower prophet belonging to the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. You should read his writings and see. Nowhere has he denied being a follower prophet. To be Imam Mahdi and to be a follower prophet was the two names of the same station. So they are making filthy attacks on him in the same way. You should read the literature of the non-Ahmadi opponents and see. You will be amazed what filthy and unpious attacks they continue to make on Hazrat promised Messiah, a peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and on his caliphs and on his companions, as though we see that history being made before our eyes, the mention of which is preserved in the Holy Quran and the detailed description of which we find in the Bible. You should reflect over just this one prayer of Hazrat Solomon and see. You will find that he was not only a believer in the unity of Allah, but was a Unitarian and an intimate knower of the Divine of a very high station. He did not have a distant link with the idolatry. He was not an ungrateful man but felt kindness most deeply and himself showed kindness to others. Despite he was so humble that he thought that I could not do my duty to repay kindness 
and humbly supplicated to God that teach me the ways to render thanks. As it is getting late, I will stop at this and I will inshallah discuss the rest of the prayers in whichever country I will deliver my next sermon. I expect from you that you should make that your new generation should regularly listen to these sermons or read them or you should explain to them. These sermons of the Caliph of the time are being delivered with the aid of the present new inventions granted to man by God and thus are spreading throughout the world and the Jamaats throughout the world hear them directly and benefit from them and are becoming one nation and means are being created to make it a nation. Therefore, whether they are the Ahmadis of Fiji or the Ahmadis of Suriname or Ahmadis of Mauritius, China or Japan and whether they are Ahmadis of the Soviet Union or of America, if they will listen directly they will receive spiritual training in exactly the same way. They will all become one nation, even if outwardly they belong to different nations. Their faces and skins will be of different colors, but of their heart will be the same. Their looks and facial features will be different, but the feature of their soul will be the same. They will become such spiritual persons who will be chosen people in the sight of Allah because they will be receiving their spiritual training in the light of the Holy Quran and will be sharing the light of the Holy Quran. In your country, Suriname, I have seen many dangers with respect to spiritual training. This is such a place where the African temperament which is inclined to singing and dancing and unchecked amorous love and drinking of alcohol is spreading extensively and such social life is prevailing here. Here it is not just unveiling, but unveiling is slipping further into shamelessness. They have such fashions here which exhibit women in such a way that it puts burden on the nature of man and creates resentment. Living in such a place, Ahmadi parents should worry for their daughters and should worry for their young generation and in such an unchecked society, as long as you will not give spiritual training to your children right from the start, until then no surety can be given of their moral values. For a time they will remain your children, then they will become the children of the society, then they will become the children of this nation. Your wealth will slip into hands. The wealth which Allah has granted you and the greatest wealth is the wealth of children. If you lose your lifelong earning in one day, how much pain you suffer. But you must remember that more than the wealth of children, there is no other wealth of the world. If your children slip from your hands, then your lifelong earning is slipped out of your hands. You should worry about it. And in this regard, I remind you that you should regularly hear the sermons yourself and explain them to your children also because they discuss the Holy Quran and the high morals of the Holy Prophet 
صلی اللہ علیہ وآلہ وسلم and as the admonition is presented from the writings of promised messiah alayhi salatu wassalam therefore they are a good means of spiritual training and your new generation will inshallah develop a deep personal relationship with the holy quran with the faith and with muhammad the messenger of allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam and with hazrat promised messiah alayhi salatu wassalam these sermons when one develops relationship with god then the people of the world cannot harm him no matter how evil a society is but if one's link is established with god he is protected so you should benefit from this means and today allah has enabled you and it is the first incident in the history of suriname that a caliph of a man raised by god is directly addressing you today a friday this historical event had to happen only once and has happened now it cannot be repeated the caliphs will inshallah come in future also and they will deliver sermons but the first time remains a first time by repeating it cannot be second first time you are so fortunate that you have become witnesses of this historical event it is necessary to render thanks for this also so like hazrat solomon you should pray to god and you can render thanks this way that you should make arrangements to play these sermons to your children and you should let them hear in the same words you must not be satisfied with summaries generally this custom is seen with the teachers and the missionaries that they avoid hard work and rather than translating all the sermon in their view they lighten their work and as the urdu phrase goes they think that they bluff their way with the jamaat and bluff the caliph of the time and write to him that we have presented the subject of your sermon in very nice way it is not enough allah has granted every man a different way of talk even if every man is discussing the same subject it has different effect therefore the right method is that if one of you do not understand urdu then the missionary of the jamaat should translate the whole sermon in the language which you understand he can easily do this within a as far as english french and german languages are concerned there is already an arrangement of translation there are very few places in the world where these languages cannot be understood yes there is also arrangement of arabic translation so arabic english german french are the languages in which the translation arrangements already exist only in those places the missionaries or you will have to make effort where few areas these languages are not understood so you should pay attention to this and in this way you will do your duty of rendering thanks that you should attach your children to the sermons for good if you will do this you will be doing a great favor to them you will thus protect the faith of your future generation you will thus protect them from the attacks of the opponents you will protect their moral values 
may Allah enable you to do so. And may Allah grant great progress to your Jamaat. Ameen. Since I have come here, I have noticed that with the grace of Allah there is much substance of sincerity. There is a mine of sincerity. But if we do not dig up these mines and do not extract priceless pearls from these mines, then what is the use if they remain buried in dust? Within you, Allah has bestowed that substance that if the missionaries and the teachers and your office bearers were to benefit from that mine of sincerity and extract those pearls, then with your beneficence, the whole region with the grace of Allah can be filled with the light of Islam and Ahmadiyyat. May Allah enable you to do this. Amin. Alhamdulillah, na'amuduhu wa nasta'in wa nasta'gfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati amalina man yahdihillahu falahamudilla lahu وَمَن يُضْلِلْهُ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَن لَّا إِلَٰهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ عِبَادَ اللَّهِ رحمکمکرون ولکر